The Pillar of Generosity, Chapter 3 The front desk had a message from John that my appointment with Bob was to be at 10 a.m. I swerved through town, making the passing alley streets appear like cracks in a huge concrete wall. Down these crevice streets, I caught glimpses of some homeless people, picking through dumpsters and sitting lifeless against the wall. Observing this made me aware of a similarity between our countries. There will always be people who are in need. Arriving at Bob's office building, I was greeted at the door by his secretary, who led me down the meandering hallways. The magnitude of this organization amazed me. The woman informed me that we were entering the marketing department, and then she opened the door to a large conference room. Bob, Nestor is here to see you. I was then greeted by Bob's friendly face and a warm welcome into his office. He asked me to sit with him in the front of his desk. Hey, John called yesterday and said that you had received the invitation. I reached into my briefcase and removed the marble monument along with the precious envelope containing the invitation. Bob smiled and opened a drawer to his desk, removing the same kind of box that John had carried out of the kitchen. I have this to offer you, my friend, Bob said as he removed the golden pillar and placed it beside the pillar of honesty. The engraved letters created the word generosity. Bob nodded his head as if he was agreeing with something the two pillars had said. Generosity is the second pillar of choice. While he continued, I removed my pen and began writing. The Pillar of Generosity Don't be conceited, sure of your own wisdom. Instead, trust and reverence God. Turn your back on evil. When you do that, then you will be given renewed health and vitality. Honor God by giving Him the first part of all of your income, and He will fill your barns with wheat and barley, and then overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. Bob paused in order to make sure I had every word correctly written, and then continued, John taught us that a seed will lie dormant until it is placed in the right environment. The pillars of success are nuggets of truth that help create that environment, an environment for ideas to grow. The second pillar deals with developing a teachable spirit and learning to let go. Bob, are you talking about environments? How does one begin to try and control the environment of a whole nation? Well, Nestor, you begin with the individual, starting with yourself. But I, I know I often get frustrated with my accomplishments. I'm tired of just doing okay. I can really relate to that, Bob nodded. It's like you plant much but harvest little. Your income disappears as though you were putting it into pockets that are filled with holes. Here's what that passage goes on to say, Nestor. You hope for much and get little, and when you bring it home, I blow it away. It doesn't last at all. And why? Because my temple lies in ruin, and you don't care. Your only concern is your own fine home. That's how my pillar was built. I was college-educated, yet snared by the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches. I had to turn my back on my desires and learn to depend more on just my head knowledge. Then God was free to build my faith and trust in Him. I traded my knowledge for His wisdom, 
and I lost my own conceit as I trusted in him. I immediately thought of my experiences in school where I was so ready to figure out exactly how to solve all the problems of the world. Nestor, I was sure that once I had taken enough classes, studied enough books, and listened to enough lectures, that I would be prepared to personally take on my own task, alone and self-reliant. Experience now has taught me otherwise. So, do you disregard all that you've learned? No, but you first need to acknowledge God's wisdom and ways as superior. Nestor, no matter how ridiculous they may seem to your logic and reason, use your mind and your knowledge from experience and education only as a contribution to what God is teaching you. It must be in that order. All things stemming first from the source of God. It's like when you're writing a paper. You're first required to define an overall framework and then you gather the materials that support the framework Let God be that overall framework, Nestor, and any other sources should be viewed as only contributing factors. If something you have learned or experienced does not serve as supporting material in that overall framework, throw it out. Begin to gather new contributing material. I looked down over my scribbled notes and saw so clearly one of the obstacles that caused me to stumble so often in my life. Well, you know, Bob, I think these past few years of my life have been spent scrambling to acquire enough knowledge to feed my prideful appetite. Desiring knowledge isn't wrong, Nestor. It becomes wrong when we fall into the illusion of playing God. We attempt to be in complete control of our lives and believe the deception that we need only ourselves to be whole. Well, I know that I feasted daily on my own conceit and No matter how many aspects of work, relationships, and life that I managed to tackle, there was always some area of my mind out of control. I was finding out that everything in my mind could not take on the overwhelming task of solving all of the problems of the world, and that drove me to despair. Well, Nestor, despair can be a good place to end up because God does not lack in extending generosity towards his children. Bob reached out and patted me on the shoulder. When I laid down my conceit, I was free to establish the second part of the pillar. Honor God by giving him the first part of all of your income, and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. As Bob spoke, I felt my soul brimming over with thoughts and convictions. I I knew at that moment that I needed to give up my conceit and allow God to be in complete control. Bob continued, it is better to give than to get. Most people believe success is external, but in reality, Nestor, it's internal. Success is knowing that you are part of something bigger than yourself. And generosity is at the root of that transaction. Our company taught us give first. Does a stove say, give me wood and I'll give you heat? Nah, when you give wood to that stove, then you are able to receive that heat. That's the principle of giving. Well, Bob, that sounds like such a simple idea. Well, they are, Nestor, all of them, and don't allow your mind to tell your heart otherwise. Bob crossed the room and pulled a book down from the shelf. This is the documented growth of our company. Look at these graphs. They never declined. God prospered us from the moment we honored him with all of our first parts. So I should 
begin by giving money? No, Nestor, not just money. You got to give your whole life. We became living sacrifices. We made God the head of our company. All of our decisions were based upon God's principles. We learned the most profound truths imaginable. We gave God the first part of our week. Every Monday, we tried to meet and plan our exploits, counting on God to direct us. We prayed for our customers, asking God to bless them, and we opened every meeting in prayer, humility, and no strife. We offered God the first part of our talents. Each one of the owners was free to pursue a personal ministry to those in need, many times during company hours. The first part of our profits was put into God's hands. Every year, our company would disperse money to our chosen charities. Each of the men was free to channel corporate resources into areas of need. After that, God was honored when we gave him the first part of our incomes. Having said all that, are you able to understand that God does not take Nestor? God gives. I looked up from my notepad and nodded in agreement. Look at our growth. Bob held out the chart showing the steady incline of the 15 years rising towards a peak. First, we were in cities, then states, then the nation. Our phone lines received calls from every state in the country. We became a household word, and I believe that God specifically honored that faithfulness. He gave us test commands. What is a test command? Well, Nestor, it's that fragile moment of faith, usually an opportunity for you to place your personal desires before God's plan. And you had opportunities to trade your inheritance? Oh, absolutely, Nestor. God is doing a work, and when you latch onto his purposes, he blesses not the men, but the mission. God's mission is for us to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, his kingdom, not ours. Standing up, Bob placed the annual reports back onto the shelf, and bridging the gap, establishing order in the long row of books again, I asked Bob, Hey, were you always so bold in your beliefs? As Bob sat down, he moved his chair closer to mine and leaned forward. Nah, I wasn't. But I love to serve and I love to be part of a team. Hours mean nothing when you're driven by purpose. And my early life was spent trying to figure out just who I was. I know I was seeking for truth. And then an Amish man, like John, showed me how a person and a business should be run. Well, Bob, sounds like all anybody needs is to become an Amish man. Bob laughed. It would seem so. The Amish are honest people who work very hard, and those two characteristics are part of success. The name of the man I spoke of was Abner. One day he had received a letter from a woman in a town nearby. She was asking Abner for money. A total stranger? He, He had never even met her before? Nope. A total stranger in need, Nestor. God had blessed Abner financially and he could have very easily sent her some money, but instead he decided to visit her personally. He asked me to ride along. As we drove that night, I asked him many questions about his business and success and he saw things so simply without struggling. There I was, caught on the minor issues of faith, battling the principles of evolution and creation, And I was so busy fitting God into my mind that I was missing the larger issues. Tabner, things were quite simple. He was able to flow with God's plan. We drove over an hour, finally pulled up in front of an old shack that was teetering on its foundation. 
kind of like a house of cards. The woman invited us in. Her eyes apologized for her environment. At that kitchen table, her granddaughter was sitting and and actually eating what little dinner they had, not on plates, but out of a can. My heart ached for these people. Abner handed the woman an envelope with money and told her to use it to get through the winter. Then he did something very amazing to me. Nestor, he invited the woman to be his guest at a dinner. Can you imagine that? A multimillionaire, not only giving his money, but also his time, his wisdom, and willingness to be identified, along with his peers, with someone in such need. I sat there in Bob's office, amazed and touched. My nation is no stranger to women like this. Bob, how do you attain such unconditional love? Well, Abner told me when we were driving back that we were all like that woman. We were all people of need. He said, I did for her, Bob, what was done for me. I I shared the love of God. I told Abner that I wanted to be just like him. We prayed together, and his simple words and actions that evening spoke volumes to my heart. Nestor, this marked my new beginning. I'm not bold. I'm just convinced. Convinced of what God has done, can do, and will do when we burn our bridges and trust in Him. I've had many successes in my life, but nothing matches the experience of seeing God's love touch the needy touch those hearts of his people. Bob picked up the marble monument, rubbed his fingers across the engraving. Nestor, when we think of God first and exercise the pillar of generosity, he is faithful. Success is not just knowledge. It's a byproduct of right living. These words of wisdom spoke to me with clarity, but there were still some questions that needed answered. Hey, Bob, Why isn't everyone successful then? Well, remember, Nestor, there are seven pillars of success to our story. The next man you'll meet will answer that question for you. Most people can plan things, but never do them. Many people pray for help, but never act fully upon those prayers. A person needs to actively be practicing and working at all times. Bob called his secretary in the room and asked if there was any word from Ernie's office. Well, he's in town this evening and can meet with Nestor at his home tonight at six. Well, Nestor, will that work for you? I don't want to burn you out physically. I objected to his precautions. We work very hard in Latin America, Bob. Time means nothing when we see opportunity, especially for truth. Well, that's good because you're about to meet one of the hardest working individuals in the world. Bob handed me the monument and the invitation. God's blessing to you, Nestor. I know you are meant to be exposed to these pillars. Well, thank you for your time and wisdom, Bob. We shook hands and the secretary led me once again through the corridors. As I drove back to the hotel, I figured there was no better time to begin some practical changes in my life. So I ventured into the alley streets where I saw those people on my way to Bob's office. Spending that afternoon with the homeless people, 
showed me to clarify the role of this second pillar of generosity. It is truth well documented. The rich and the poor have this in common. God is the maker of them all. Week number two, the second vow. I commit to be generous and resist the enemy of greed. Our world has forgotten how to give. I know it. I see it. I've been there. My vow of generosity will open the floodgates of blessing, not only in my life, but in the lives of nations and people living in those nations. By watering others, I will water myself let me give freely because things have freely been given to me. Help me to understand your principle of sowing and reaping. Multiply my efforts as I learn to let go. Teach me to let go. Teach me what the farmer has learned. Help me to release the seed that I have in my hand. Allow me to sow my time. Make it seem that there are more hours in every day. Allow me to understand the principle of the first fruits. By giving to you first, my efforts will be multiplied. When I see a need, release in me the spirit of generosity to meet that need. Give me eyes to see the needs that are around me every day. Give me ears to hear the cries of the defenseless, the orphans, and the widows. Let every day be a testimony to the pillar of generosity drive out of my life any shadow of greed. The pillar of generosity, don't be conceited, sure of your own wisdom. Instead, trust and reverence God and turn your back on evil. When you do that, then you will be given renewed health and vitality. Honor God by giving him the first part of all of your income and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley, and then overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. 